This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He's Aaron McIntyre. We will be joined un momento by our friend and Blaze TV colleague, Robino from down in Dallas. He'll be with us for the Dace Group here in just a matter of moments. Uh, of course, we want to always make sure to honor our partners on the show, first and foremost, along with all of you. They make it possible for us to do this every single day, and that includes our friends over at First Cup Coffee Company. They were one of the newbies that came on board in 2023, earning rave reviews from Coffee is a Food Group aficionado, our very own Aaron McIntyre. Yep. And if you want a Christian-owned Patriot Coffee Company's uh, coffee that also happens to be, according to Aaron, excellent. Standing for your values, uh, you want to go with our friends. If you're freedom-loving American, you want to go with our friends at First Cup Coffee Company. Shipped within days of being roasted. They put the uh, roast date right there on each bag. Uh, so many great flavors as well. Try the variety pack. See which one trips your trigger. Just go to firstcup.com. Use the code DACE. And save an additional 10% on your order if you do. And if you subscribe so you get their coffee monthly, you'll save an additional 10% for the life of your subscription. Firstcup.com, promo code DACE. That's firstcup.com, promo code DACE. All right, I want to give Todd and Aaron a heads up. For Feedback Friday next hour to lead off the year, we are coming in hot. Hot. Nice. Okay. I, I have saved this one over the Christmas holiday. All right, just to gauge you guys' reactions, and I can't wait to see it. All right, mm. we are we are going to come in. Ho- uh, well, I have no idea if you're serious or not. Well, you, I'm not sure either. Reading it, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Reading the email and again I'm last night, I'm like, I'm not so sure how serious I am about this. Nevertheless, I thought, you know what, man, these are. As the Chinese would say, interesting times. So let's start off with a very interesting piece of feedback. So we will do that next hour. A couple of uh, quick housekeeping items. The first $20 that I owed from yesterday's show has been uh, been put into the poll jar. Uh, And that is, of course, uh, if we attempt, if if any of the three of us attempt to uh, invoke any serious references or analyses to polls this year, we have to put 10 bucks into the poll jar. And at the end of the year, that money will be donated to Preborn. Remember yesterday during the show, a guy said it was up to like a few thousand dollars, right? That he would match it at the end of the year. I've gotten like a half dozen more emails from people. Wow. I'll match it up to a thousand. I'll match it up to 500, you know? So... We really appreciate that, and I know Preborn will probably uh, be appreciating that here uh, about uh, somewhere around December 20th uh, of this year, should we uh, convince the Blaze to keep us around that much longer. Um, However, I have been asked again for clarification on this, because numerous people, numerous, and if it was more than one, I would let it go, but there have been numerous requests, and and I'm going to issue an executive exemption now, because I'm making a reference to a request. There have been numerous requests to still be able to hear polls 
and even more requests to hear, look at the polls! Okay? So there have been requests from the audience to have those two things exempted from the polling jar. I, I feel as if I can't rule here. You know, I'm the, you know it, it, it's, I, it would, to appeal to my own process, I feel as a conflict of interest. So I appeal, therefore, uh, this is a 10th Amendment statement here. I'm going to appeal it to you guys as individual states. What say you? That's either or. It's all in or all out. It's, yes. All right. Aaron, How about a compromise? Once per show. Once per show. Todd, will you accept that compromise or not? I don't accept it, but I'll allow it. All right. So if there's any more than any of those two, and it very specific, sardonic. My polls, uh, yeah, look at the polls. Yeah, if there's anything more than just one of those in any given show, okay, and it's clearly in a sardonic, cynical, sarcastic context, you owe ten, you, then you are, you've violated the polling jar. Fair? I love our audience. Give me more Theology Thursday, A, and B, randomly shout stuff at us. <laughs> Those things, by the way, are probably going to end up interacting in different forums once we get into more theology this year. Also, speaking of that, don't forget our series that we're first Theology Thursday series we're starting is coming up January the 18th. If you want to follow along, we are going to do the very... Uh, I think, uh, anyway, uh, very well done. Know Thy Enemy, a nefarious Bible study uh, with yours truly and Dr. Jeremiah Johnston from uh, Prestonwood Baptist from down there in Dallas, looking at spiritual warfare through the lens of uh, my movie, Nefarious. So here's how this is going to work, by the way. We don't have time to, to do the booklet and the video clips in the time that we have allotted. So we're going to do the study under the assumption you've seen the video clips. All right. So uh, if you don't have a cop, that's why I'm giving you a heads up about this now so that you've got a couple of weeks uh, to get your copy of Know Thy Enemy, a nefarious Bible study. You can get it right now on Amazon. You guys, by the way, you want to follow along. If you listen to the podcast, you have a men's group, a women's group, a small group, and you guys want to do this with us as we discuss this, uh, we're going to be doing it starting January the 18th. Know Thy Enemy, a nefarious Bible study. Again, it's called Know Thy Enemy, a nefarious Bible study. You can get it on Amazon right now so that you and and your group, your church even, uh, can do this alongside us. A chance to do the Bible study with one of the guys who wrote it and constructed it. So uh, we would uh, love to have as many of you doing this with us as absolutely possible uh, when we start looking at spiritual warfare coming up on January the 18th is when we'll start that with Know Thy Enemy, a nefarious Bible study that is available at Amazon now. And with that, for the first time in 2024, it is time for the day group. There he is, our good friend Robino. And yes, even in the new year, our weekly look at the week that was still begins as it always does with issue one bleep, Lord Nefarious says. The story of Christmas is about a Palestinian Jew. Now, how often do you find those words put together? A Palestinian Jew born into a time when his country was occupied, right? They can't find a place for her to even give birth, his mother. They're homeless. They eventually have to flee as refugees into Egypt, no less. 
I mean, you can't make up the parallels to our current world situation right now. Today, we took over Christmas Day in New York City. Were I to sign House Bill 68, or were House Bill 68 to become law, Ohio would be saying that the state, that the government, knows better what is medically best for a child than the two people who love that child the most, the parents. Now, we should note that um, Claudine Gay has not been accused of stealing anyone's ideas in any of her writings. Uh, she's been accused of sort of a, more like a copying uh, other people's writings without attribution. So it's been more sloppy attribution than stealing anyone's ideas. Border Patrol in the month of December processed more migrants entering the United States illegally than any month in the history of that agency. The challenge of displaced people is a subject that comes up in every single conversation. We have the effects of climate change. What's happening with these anti-vax people? You know, I said this the other day, I have been boosted and boosted and boosted, so I got it, COVID. It does not prevent you from getting COVID, but you don't die from it. Right. And yet you have people like this Robert Kennedy Jr. who's going out there and attacking Fauci and saying that it's a bad thing to get He's not saying it's satire. He's actually believing well, I know, it. but this is fake you know? news. In Best tweet I saw last night, someone took that picture of Whoopi Goldberg and said, when did Whoopi Goldberg start auditioning to become the Predator? Wasn't that Tim? Tim Young? Was, yeah, that's right. It was our buddy Tim Young. Thank you. I want to make sure he's probably listening right now. Hey, man. Probably texting me right now as we speak. That was me, bro. You're right. My bad, Tim. Rob, as the guest, you get to go first. Issue one. First question to you. What was the worst and most vile thing that you were just subjected to and why? Um, I, I still think it's that CNN clip about, well, you know, she wasn't stealing anybody's ideas. She was just writing the ideas that she had and not saying that they weren't hers, which is just I, I, I've been trying to wrap my head around that for the whole week. It, it's just the most absurd notion that you could possibly do. I mean, you know, four score and seven years ago, Claudia Gay set forth to write a <laughs> Um, thesis, which was, you know, in the beginning there was light or something like that. I mean, it's just, but those, those she wasn't trying to steal that um, and steal the ideas. She was just writing it. It's just that that's the most absurd thing that on the face of the earth of, of a bunch of absurd things that were in there. And then, you know, the, the, the whole, if you get the shot, if you get the shot, you, you don't die. Um, I still think that we're under like a, even for everybody shot or not like a 0.11 case fatality rate if you take everybody that actually got covid including the ones that weren't tested right I mm -hmm. mean we're, we're still like at the levels of the the common flu right mm -hmm. so I mean it's just insane and, and it's funny everybody I know that got sick from covid over the Christmas break pretty much uh, the, the vast majority had been boosted. I mean, I got the first two shots to go see my parents. I've told you this before. I haven't gotten any of the boosters. I've tried to dissuade my parents from getting boosters. Um, but most of the people that I know that got really sick are the ones that got the booster shot. So kind of interesting. Okay. Todd, what say you? 
Steve, did you like the movie uh, A Time to Kill? I like where this is going. Oh, you mean uh, with Matthew McConaughey as <laughs> the attorney, the John Grisham yeah. story, and yeah. uh, Samuel yeah. L. Jackson? Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. Love that movie. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you know, there's all kinds of race baiting these days, but I thought really effective at the end of that movie. Matthew McConaughey gives a tear jerking final um, argument, and he explains in detail the rape of this girl. And he has everybody in the jury close their eyes. And then the last thing he says, think about that little girl there after everything's that happened to her. And this happens in the South, racial tension. And they said, now I want you to imagine that that little girl is white because the girl that was raped mm -hmm. was black. Mm -hmm. Here now, I want you to close your eyes and think about what Joy Behar just said. But she, she took this jab uh this uh vaccine and it didn't keep her from getting it I'm, I'm willing to give her the benefit of the doubt but keep your eyes shut it it didn't keep you from getting it but it kept you from getting really sick and dying and now what i want you to do instead of her using the word the vaccine, everything else is the same. Now I want you to s pretend she said ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. What's the difference? The difference is that she's probably getting paid by Big Pharma right now. There's so much garbage. Every one of them I could pick is, but that one there at the end, probably it just triggered that, that scene from that movie because it's that blatant we they would remember what they did to people if you wanted hydroxychloroquine steve's laid this out his buddy almost died he had to take the horse paste we have st the the books that have been written uh, the chapters have written the interviews that daniel and steve have done on this matter you were a criminal if you tried to use hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. Molly James, again, on and on and on. We've been doing this for so many years now, uh, Steve and Aaron and I, but we haven't even scratched the surface on what happened. Haven't even scratched the surface. People need to pay and pay dearly. Hmm. Aaron? Uh, I just want to note the priest... Man of the cloth at the very beginning. N nothing he said there was true. Everything was factually even so wrong. Flush yeah. it. Other than he had to flee to Egypt. It. That part was flush true. Flush it. Yeah. yeah. Um, we gotta we gotta give a shout out to Mike DeWine. If the government cannot be bothered to protect children from being mutilated, even if their parents consent to it, what is the government good for? I mean, just a shameless, wicked statement. It is, that is just flat out, unadulterated, 200 proof evil. Yep. What Mike DeWine It's just, just wicked. Said. It's just wicked. And here, the story gets even better. I don't know if you guys saw this. Our friend Lizzie Marbach, who was a casualty of the pro-life uh, big baby movement when she actually, you know, said, uh, I'm a Christian on Twitter last summer. You remember her? She sent this along to me. Gary Click, the original sponsor of that bill 
that DeWine vetoed is out there on Twitter talking about, no, well, we need to have grace for DeWine. We need to have grace for people. You know, there are legitimate uh, threats of suicide. What are we doing here? What are we doing? I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. The priest thing, other than the fleeing to Egypt, everything there is wrong. Notice the word sin is mentioned nowhere in there. Um, that's Jesus came to save sinners. Uh, that that's uh, the country of Palestine didn't actually exist. The Romans didn't call it that uh, at the time of Christ. It was actually shortly before Jesus's birth, actually, that uh, the Romans uh, christened that uh, uh, that province as Judea, which is why in your scriptures, what does it refer to? Uh, Judea, because that's what the Romans called it in 6 B.C. They changed the name to that from what Alexander the Great and his people wanted to call it, which was Palestine. So none of this is accurate. Even the context of fleeing to Egypt, if, if you were avoiding the cops in Iowa and moved to Missouri, would you be called a refugee? No. no, because there are two states operating under the same jurisdiction, correct? So Egypt was a fully functioning subsidiary of the Roman Empire, just as Judea was. And so that's why they were able to just go there and go across the border, because they were still part of the Roman Empire. What? We do this every Christmas with this story, except for the actual Christmas story, except for yeah. the actual one. Let me tell you why Jesus really, why, why Jesus really came. Because... Without him, we're Mike DeWine. That's why. Because without him, we all deserve hell. Like Mike DeWine does for what he just did to the kids of Ohio. But Jesus offers us grace. He came to seek and save that which is lost. That's what the Christmas story is. And that's why all the lyrics to your Christmas songs that invoke Jesus all carry that exact same theme. By Mike DeWine's logic... I guess there was nothing the state of the state could do nothing uh, when Dave Day uh, hit me in the face with a belt buckle, because I mean obviously the state knows better, Todd, you know, or the parent knows better than 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 the state does, and and see here's the problem, sideways analogy, but I'll bring it home. I promise. Do you remember during the Obamacare debates, and I used to lose it when we used to say on the right. Obamacare is bad because we can't afford it. Remember this? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I used to point out, hey, if we were running surpluses, would Obamacare then suddenly be good? Would, <laughs> would it be moral legislation to make men pay, pay for pap smears and, um, and, and, the most, and, and to sign into law the most abortion uh, profiteering bill in American history? If we, we were running surpluses, would, we always like to make the low-lying fruit argument. Okay? So as a general rule... Is it better for a parent to make a decision for a child than the state as a general rule? Yes. Yes. But what is the purpose of the state? Why does it exist? And see, this is what this is why godlessness on the right is not has no chance against any of this. None. It is Christ or chaos. It is a biblical worldview or communism. That's that's essentially human history. Biblical worldview or some form of tyranny. Those are your options. Call it plutocracy, call it feudalism, call it Marxism, statism, uh, you know, uh, tyranny via the monarchy, whatever you want to call it. Those are your only two options, a biblical worldview or some form of tyranny. That's it. Those are the only options. The only reason government is permitted to exist on earth, according to a biblical worldview, is to punish evil. That's it. 
That's the only reason that's, that it's, that's the, well, I shouldn't say the only. That's the primary reason that it is permitted by God on earth, is to be an avenging angel, according to Romans 13. But when we, when we try to make arguments away from our, notice that they never come up with like watered down terminology on their side. You ever notice that? Just come right at you, man. They're out on the streets at Christmas saying, start the Antifada. No doubt. No doubt. We are always trying to come up with like code language that is palatable to people with itching ears who already were probably going to hate us anyway. Here's the reality. Government's job is to punish evil. That's its job. It is evil to mutilate your children. So you should be punished. Period. Are we done here? I'd like to be. That's it. That's all there is. There isn't any more. We don't need seven codicils, 15 commas, three or seven semicolons, and a few if ands or buts, candies and nuts. It's evil to mutilate your children. Therefore, the government whose job it is to punish evil will punish you. Period. Gather ye millstones. That's it. Yes. Let's get to the exit question here. All right. Let's see if I can do, do this. If I can, if I can keep this promise for this year. Um, on a scale of one to 10 with one being the likelihood Jim Harbaugh is still the head coach at Michigan next season and 10 being the likelihood Lindsey Graham. We just kidding. Just teasing you. Okay. Lindsey Graham will ever lose a primary. Had you there for a minute, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. Had you there. Look at the. Made you nervous. Rank this week's level of total depravity, Todd. 10. Aaron? 10. Rob? I'm going to go under my five. I'm going to go like a three. Wow. It's kind of a low level of depravity. I've, we, we, we could do better. Well, not better, but worse, or however you want to say that. I, I, I'm going to about a three. Wow. Look at Rob bringing the optimism or pessimism. Yeah. That could be pessimism as if like three years ago, that's a solid 14. And now we're like, oh, maybe it's a four. So don't, yeah, I, I Rob's view may not be optimistic if you stop and think. Yeah. About you it. have to remember, I spent... <laughs> the I, I lower spent the number, the less or the more optimistic it is. <laughs> you have to remember, I spent a week and a half in New Jersey and, um, and, and felt like I was back in like 2020 again with all of the craziness about COVID go. and all that stuff. So, you know, that was probably the 10. So this was kind of mild compared to that. All right, let's get to issue two. Something wicked this way comes. I have no idea how to set this topic up, so please enjoy this passage from Revelation 13. And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its head. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like bears, and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And to it the dragon gave his power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed. The whole earth marveled as they followed the beast, and they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast, and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth, uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for forty-two months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation. And all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world and the book of life of the Lamb who was slain. I like how Aaron has, I have no idea how to set this up. So I'm going to go to the scriptures that in uh, the Omen Part 2, teenage Damien uh, reads to find out that he's the Antichrist. I, I, I like that. That's perfect. So 
First question to you, Aaron, I'll go right back to you. What is the cultural trend trend and or event you are the most concerned about heading in to 2024 and why? You've already dropped this on the show just a few moments ago, but it's the rise of the godless right. There are a lot of people actually who claim the name of Christ. It's pretty easy to see if you go online, and I understand online is not always real life, but if it's any indication of the broader culture whatsoever, if it's any microcosm whatsoever, there are a lot of people who claim the name of Christ who are abjectly godless. They have itching ears, as you just dropped as well. The godless right is never going to defeat the demonic left. Godless, I've I've posted this many times on Twitter. Godlessness times godlessness is ruinous. If there is no plumb line other than things that can change, whether it's a man, whether it's some uh, earthly idea, whether it's some vain philosophy, if there's no plumb line above those things, it will turn into something fundamentally godless. And I think you're seeing that in right-wing America right now. There is no plumb line above some of these earthly things which become subjective over time, if they aren't already. And subjectivism is never, ever going to defeat the chaos of the left. We're just basically the Hegelian dialectic playing Mm -hmm. out in real time. Mm -hmm. For those of you that don't remember what that means, that means the thesis and antithesis, the two sides, the, 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 the feigned two sides of the argument just basically merge into the exact same narrative. That's what it means. Todd? It's the same thing it's been for quite some time before 2020. It's uh, this transgenderism uh, thing. Because if you'll recall, before 2020, for years I was saying that this is a huge touchstone event about the end of civilization. Because once you believe in this, you will believe in anything. And then, haven't we been on a ride Ever since then, I mean, we there's abortion. There's always been child sacrifice on some, you know, going through the eons and that. There's clearly always been uh, homosexuality. But this transgenderism thing, not that we haven't had cross gestures, but it that it's it doesn't obviously see this is we're in the red light district and we're fine here. It's like, no, everybody here. This, I don't think, has a comparison in all of human history. And while there's clearly pushback, Moms for Liberty, and things like that, it's still like niche pushback. It's not like everybody just saying, dear God, what have we done? And therefore, until we appropriately take care of that, that is my issue, because it, it just seems to be, once that happened, all hell broke loose. Rob, you've got a minute. Go. What's yours? Um, it- I think it comes kind of close to what Todd's saying, but it, it's more the, the, the death of objective truth mm-hmm. um, that, that we're being gaslit on a daily basis to think that transgenderism has always been around, that it is completely normal, um, that we're being gaslit to say that if you are racist against people that are, that are not um, oppressed communities, that it's not racism. Um, it's just the constant drumbeat of the left and the mainstream and the elites. Um, no invasion at the southern border. Say, There's no invasion there. Right. Yeah. There's no invasion. It, it's the the constant denigration of objective truth through things like, quote unquote, fact checks um, and what the, the mainstream media says. And you're being told that you are crazy um, if you think that things that you know to be true 
are true. If you think that there are such things as men and women and not 27 million different genders, um, you're just wrong and you're a bigot and, and you should be destroyed from human, you know, from, from existence. If you think that um, plagiarism is stealing somebody's ideas and not just, you know, copying something without attribution, um, you are a crazy person. Um, it's the constant, complete drumbeat of, of it, and mm -hmm. it's the the and I think it all can fall underneath that. Amen. Well said. Exit question: If what you think you're going to think about 2024, 11 months from now, were an ACDC song, which ACDC song would it be? A. If you want blood, you got it. B. Have a drink on me. C. For those about to rock, we salute you. D, Thunderstruck. Aaron. Thunderstruck. Todd. I fear it's A if you want blood. Rob, what do you think it is? Thunderstruck. All right. Quickly, why did you each choose Thunderstruck? Aaron? I think we are going to be uh, stunned on multiple occasions. Okay. That's kind of So why. you view it as like a substitute for gobsmacked, yeah. basically. All right. Rob, what about you? Yeah, I, I think we, we haven't even begun to understand the level of craziness that 2024 is going to be. So, Todd, is it go, are you talking kind of the prediction that I made uh, in yesterday, post-election violence, regardless of who wins, more trans terrorism? Is that kind of what you're talking well, about? I saw a video out of Paris uh, yesterday where uh, an immigrant uh, man gets on a bus grabs a pregnant woman and pulls her out of the bus and throws her down so hard on her head and her stomach. Apparently the baby has managed to survive it because she was very pregnant. Um, it's happening already. Nobody took the optimistic tone, huh? Stunning. Because that would be stupid. And that's probably why nobody took it then. All right, when we come back, we have the first scalp of 2024. Claudine Gay, former president of Harvard, turned equally as high-paid, I guess, professor. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll get into that and what it may or may not mean when we return. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it... <clears throat> A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. So even though we're into 2024, it is not too late to take a look at healthcare sharing with our friends at Samaritan Ministries. And no, it's not insurance. It's a community of Christians paying one another's medical bills. And because it's not insurance, they're not bound by any open enrollment. So you can join any time of the year, even today. Check out these three reasons Samaritan Ministries could be right for you and your family. One, you're part of a Christian community. 
So when you have a medical need, fellow Samaritan members send money directly to you to help you pay your medical bills. Pardon me. And you'll do the same for them all while also praying for and encouraging one another Two, there's no networks, which puts you in control of your family's health care. You know what's best for them. So you choose the doctors and hospitals you go to and have a say in the treatments that they receive. Three, you can set your own start date. So join today and start health care sharing with Samaritan Ministries right now or join today and choose what month lines up best for you. It's about you and what's best for you and your family. So whether it's a broken bone, cancer, pregnancy, or another medical emergency, you'll find comfort in knowing you're connected to 80,000 Christian households across the nation who stand ready to care for one another spiritually, but also financially when it's needed most. Go to SamaritanMinistries.org slash Steve Dace to join today. SamaritanMinistries.org slash Steve Dace. Again, SamaritanMinistries.org slash Steve Dace. We welcome back in from Blaze Media here, Rob Eno down there in Dallas taking the Marco Rubio water break. Good to see you, Rob. Let's get to issue three. Claudine Gay is gone. Claudine Gay resigned as Harvard University president on Tuesday due to six new plagiarism complaints. In a letter to the school community, she expressed her love for Harvard and claimed her ousting was because of racism. The outgoing president plans to return to faculty work focusing on scholarship and teaching. Gay became Harvard University's 30th president on July 1st of last year and is known for her leftist views on climate alarmism and identity politics. Despite stating Harvard's need to adapt to accelerating change during her inauguration, Gay's presidency was the shortest in Harvard's history. Recent months saw multiple plagiarism allegations and concerns about her response to growing anti-Semitism on campus. A complaint filed Monday brings the total plagiarism allegations against Gay to nearly 50, involving seven of her 17 published works, including her 1997 doctoral thesis. Two journalists must be credited with this rare scalp of a prominent member of woke academia. Those journalists are Chris Rufo and Chris Burnett. Their work, along with the free beacon in exposing in the drip, drip, drip fashion they did, marks a nearly unprecedented flex against woke academia like Harvard. So let's get right to it, Todd. I'll start with you. This is sort of the first culture war inflection point of 2024. So what's to be learned about what happened here, how, and what it means? Let's just be honest. Uh, absolutely nothing. It's a, this is not some grand victory. It took her uh, not being able to say that you should be punished uh, if you, say, kill the Jews on campus, and then how many acts of uh, plagiarism, plagiarism. Would you to, say over 50, Aaron? Is that what you said? Which, Near 50, yeah. Yeah. To which both academics and journalism, who this is plagiarism, is really fundamentally all about, and one of their core, supposed to be one of their core beliefs, simply said, "I, I don't care." We just the, the level. There's no shame. There's no. Where would you yet be struck with these people, at all? And I remind you, Harvard was founded in like 1640 by Puritans, and now they're here. Okay, they have the high ground. Harvard isn't suddenly going to change overnight because we aren't willing to do what needs to be done. So uh, I wish I could say I've learned something. But this the, the status quo is the status quo until it isn't anymore. And like everybody here, everybody just like, I, I think we've turned the corner. Anybody believe that? She's still there making almost a million bucks a year. By the way, the uh, the original motto 
for Harvard yeah. in Latin uh, is translated as truth for Christ in his church. That's the founding uh, motto of uh, Harvard dating back, I believe, to 1690 or something like that, I want to say. So this kind of ties into what I was saying about DeWine last segment. And if now, we think we're going to beat these yeah. people with anything short of a superior worldview and no, we just are uh, our, our godless carnal instincts against yours. No shot. Their motto now is Alu Akbar. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. That's well said. Rob, what say you? Um, if it's followed up and we continue to take down people like this and we use it to make a positive change in the culture, then it's fine. But it's as, as a single one-off thing, um, you know, let's not make it a pyrrhic victory. Well, let's not make this, you know, one down and then the next, um, you know, the next Borg top goes into the Borg body um, and becomes the president of Harvard, which is, you know, exactly what will probably happen. I just, I, I was listening to the the montage that, you know, right before we came on, it's kind of funny that she is going to be, did, did you say academic standards um, that, right. that she's going to be focused on? Well, by because, academic, you know, the, kind of the, cur- the current yeah. academic standards are, do yeah. you, are, are, do you have a worldview that is in good standing with the regime? Those right. are the academic standards, not, not right. merely, not, not academic achievements or qualifications, but, it, but ideological um, alignment. Those are the academic standards right. now. Yeah. And, and the problem is, is, you know, it, they, they talk a lot about, you know, donors going to keep money away and, and things like that. I, the, the Harvard Endowment actually used to be one of my clients when I was a, um, when I was a printing salesman in Boston, used to sell copying services to them. They have billions and billions and billions of dollars. They do not need another cent um, from a donor to be fully funded for the rest of time in memoriam. They, they, they run off of um, even their their tuition. I mean, the tuition's high, and, and and a lot of people pay it, but a lot of people don't, right? And that's why people have said, there's Harvard should just be a tuitionless institution because they can pay for the entire operation of Harvard off of the interest every year from their endowment. Their endowment is that large. You know, if you want to start talking about it, let's tax endowments, hmm. and let's go after that. If you want to start making a dent at them, here, here. Um, but you know, that's that that's kind of where we're at, Aaron. I do think there actually is a big lesson, and uh, it's a pretty important lesson. We need, oh, about uh, 10,000 more Chris Rufos. That's what our (laughs) side needs. Yeah, that's a good point, too. Um, Because of what Todd said. Todd is, I think, absolutely right. I mean, academia, I mean, it's Hydra. Hydra. It it is absolutely Hydra. You cut one head off and two more, three more, five more, take its place. So you need a lot more subversives out there like a Chris Rufo and the other journalist I mentioned. What about we just create this many memes? See, that's the problem, though. What if we just created more aggressive memes? The ratio of meme makers to Chris Rufo is about uh, 200, 500 to one. But I also I've, I've been reliably informed via MAGA Twitter that Chris Rufo is a globalist cuck. Is he now? He is. Wow. Yes. Okay. That's uh, that's news to me. Well, I guess this is all a complete loss then. But that. You know, what do the polls say though? I, I would know. I I, I mean are, I honestly wouldn't know. You, I don't know. You are a colleague here, Rob. You know the rules. <laughs> it only applies to the three of us, though. But okay. yes, that, yeah, he, he was trying to bait us. He was trying to bait, and it almost worked. It almost worked. I'm just trying to save the children. That's all I'm trying to do. <laughs> Indeed, but isn't this? You know what's kind of ironic about this, though, if we dial it back for a second, is this is actually where stuff like the killer memes would be beneficial. 
if we stopped, if if the if if these two flanks stopped looking at themselves as an either or proposition, and recognized that what what the killer meme brigade could do is create you ten thousand more Chris Rufos by greatly amplifying the effect of what he did here. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And and metastasizing it, okay, as opposed to. Well, we will only, you have to endorse the right candidate. You have to be in the right camp. Um, and then at that point, you, you, in many respects, it's not much different than Harvard. Your idea, you know, what you believe doesn't matter. You're just loyal to our camp. And, and so maybe that's why they can't be married is because, you know, Rufo is actually a part of a vanguard of a movement and the, and our killer meme makers are, you know, that's a grift, right? Yep. But, but. But in, a, but in today's society, in today's media and the way politics works, the machinery of politics works, in, in, in the irony is that the, the killer meme makers that we mock would actually be a necessary weapon if they could be, if, if it could be created for the amplification of stuff like this. Like, you know, there would be, there, there would be some other people in academia quaking, I believe, if if this was the top trending social, every one of their students had this on their Facebook page, or well, they wouldn't have it on Facebook, their students wouldn't. Snapchats or Instagrams, you see what I'm saying? Yep. This became an om- a lodestar is what it became. Um, but, but, you know, and this goes to what my friend David Limbaugh was, uh, he tweeted about over Christmas break while we were gone. We don't ever get to this place on the right because just too many, this is literally what he said. You know, the late, great Rush Limbaugh's his brother. We don't ever get to this kind of place of working in coordination like this on the right because just too many damn people have their own agendas and their own egos and won't allow it. And he's, yeah, he's correct about that. But it's it's worse because outs. You, you mentioned the, like the political apparatus, the people in the know, the people online, the people paying attention. With the normies are like, uh, right now you go out there and ask people who Claudine Gay is. They have no idea. Yep. That's and why, even, again, that's and, where the meme makers come and, well, into play, but, though. But, but yeah, you mentioned the students. Yep. The students, I bet more students have heard about this than their parents. And even if their parents had about it, the, 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 the default with most parents these days, even if they know about it, they don't care. They, they, somehow, the, the flagship institution of this entire country, and if you'll remember, the Pilgrims landed in 1607. Already by that time, a university named Harvard had been founded within 30 years, uh, roughly. But... That's that's a tragedy, but most people are like, well, whatever. That that that's invincible ignorance that cannot be defeated. Let's get to the exit question. If Claudine Gay pays Dana White a hundred million dollars, would UFC host her for a Bud Light tasting event at its next America First sporting event? Todd, I, that's the most perfect question you've ever asked i know that might be my favorite exit question i've ever constructed of all time it slits so many throats yes so i'll allow it happy new year yeah we're starting this thing off with a mass execution yes rob yeah i mean that's he's obviously in it for the money i mean that that's that's why he's back with bud light and he's trying to make it bud light of course if she gave him a hundred million dollars i mean she'd probably do it for 10 million um you know get a discount i mean that's 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 where we're at. You know, it's um, and, and, and all I could think of when when Todd was talking 
um, about, you know, or you were talking about not getting together was, you know, baby, our movement is like herding cats, right? You mm -hmm. just can't do it. Too many and egos, too many different said, yeah. profit streams, never going to happen. Yep. There's always someone that is, can be bought off and, and or wants to be. Todd, I'm sorry, Aaron. Yes. And check out this tweet. I, I, I don't know if this is a real quote or not. I think it is because it's being posted by Ben Jacobs, who is a pretty well-known reporter, quoting Dave Weigel, uh, who is also quoting John Fetterman, quote, as an alum of Harvard, look, I graduated 25 years ago, and of course it was always a little pinko, but now I don't recognize it. John Fetterman. I think that's a real quote. I could, I, I could, whatever version 2.0, that, that sounds like the John Fetterman reboot. It does. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's get to issue four. Uh, the kicker topic. If you could guarantee a successful boycott against anyone or anything in 2024, what would it be or whom would it be and why? Aaron. Uh, I would. Let's let's go all the way. Let's do the Bud Light all the way with someplace like Target. I mean, they, they they there is no Pride Month. The whole year is Pride year to them. Let's just mm -hmm. do that. Let's just tank them. OK, Todd. Barma. I mean, I don't, do I really need to explain? No, that's a good answer. Rob? Uh, the only boycott I've done for the past three years is against Kroger uh, for, for having their employees pay extra for health insurance if they're not um, vaccinated. So I would say that any company that continues to have vaccine mandates for, the, for COVID for their employees. That's another good answer um, as well. the only one that I've done it. Let's get to predictions. And we got, we're actually about 30 seconds ahead of schedule. So you don't have to quite rush through these as much as possible or much as you normally do. Good. Todd, what's yours? Well, follow me on this chain of events here. A demon statue is in the Iowa Capitol, and we have pastors and Republicans in Iowa saying that's just the way things have to be if you want to worship J baby Jesus at Christmas time. Not too long after that... A federal judge, Judge Locker, comes in. Coincidence? I think not. And overrules Iowa's legislation against handing out uh, porn uh, to school children. And then, not long after that, just yesterday, coincidence? A 17-year-old transgender student, just like barely more than a half hour away from this very building, uh, shoots up a school. Might I suggest that our answers in the face of the current nonsense utterly suck? And if we are serious, and I'm saying this because I desperately am trying to speak it into existence, may Kim Reynolds continue to show the courage she's shown in the past. She ignores Judge Locker, goes full Andrew Jackson, and said, you're welcome to try to enforce this ruling. And she says, if you hand out this, these books in these schools, you will be arrested for solicitation of pornography to minors. That is where we must live in this moment. I predict she will understand that and do it. Aaron. Because of the changing, I don't know how I'm supposed to follow that up with a very lame prediction of my own, but that's on <laughs> brand for me. Uh, because of this changing la landscape of college football and realignment within five years, there will be teams who were parts of Power Five conferences who will not have football programs, at least not at that level. So relegation. Yeah. And the, the balls will start rolling this year. Yeah. Rob? 
Um, I think that the United States will be involved in um, land wars on possibly three continents um, by the end of the year. Somehow we'll get sucked into this thing in Russia. Um, you know, Russia will attack Poland or, or something will happen and NATO will be invoked. Um, I could see us um, either on the Korean Peninsula or something happens where, you know, Iran attacks one of our ships in the Red Sea and we're involved over there. I don't know if you saw it today, but um, North Korea decided to start shelling yeah. um, very near close to some South Korean islands in the you know, the Chinese are like, oh, wait, don't do that um, there. And then, you know, the, the, the one that's crazy is the people of Venezuela voted um, to annex um, a territory of neighboring Guyana, um, which is a member of the Commonwealth of Nations. There are no defense pacts in the Commonwealth of Nations, but the British have sent a warship. Um, and the Venezuelans have amassed 6,000 troops on the border. So I could see us possibly in a land war there, again, having NATO invoked um, because Britain somehow gets involved. So I could see us in land, land conflicts in three continents. Well, now I feel like Aaron. I was just going to predict Michigan 34, Washington 27. So thank you, Rob. Good to see you as always, man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Good luck Monday. All right. Thank you. We'll come back. Feedback Friday, it starts off with a literal bang. Next. All right, back here with Hour 2 on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Totters, and all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E is the last name's proper spelling. If you spell it another way, I don't know where you'll end up. You can also uh, like us, like Steve Dace on uh, Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. Follow me at Steve Dace Show on X or Twitter, whatever we're calling it now. Uh, Also on uh, Instagram and TikTok. And if you are a podcast listener, thank you so very much. We, We love all of you. Uh, because uh, you're a big part of our audience. Please, if you wouldn't mind, share your love for us, if you have it, by leaving us a five-star review wherever you podcast from, and then hit subscribe, or if you are on iTunes, follow, and that way, every time we do a new episode, it will show up in your feed each and every single time. Feedback Friday, especially this very first note, has an appropriate presenter, because you're going to need a glass of wine for this one. All right. Have you thought any more of a Christmas break about uh, drinking on air? Is it? <laughs> well, let's see. We've got a fine system. We've got a gun. All right. It seems a logical next step. That, that, that does seem like the logical next step. We've got an air gun and a finding system. They might as well just, you know, start to uh, make a toast. All right. Our friends over at Bonner, Bonner Private Wines, they are uh, still offering... There's Sunai Alagico Malbec uh, from uh, deep in the Andes Mountains, the third largest vineyard on planet Earth. What does that mean? It means it comes highly rated at 91 points. There's no fining or filtration, so it preserves its true natural taste, and it boasts about 10 times the resveratrol levels uh, that uh, you're going to get from the red wines that you buy in the stores, and resveratrol is something that is good for heart health. So Bonner Private Wines is the sole importer of this amazing Malbec. 
like. You can get it by becoming a member of the Bonner Private Wine Partnership, B-O-N-N-E-R. The Bonner Private Wine Partnership. Also, if you visit BonnerPrivateWines.com Steve, you'll get other wines for over 50% off and free shipping. Just go for all of this. Go to BonnerPrivateWines.com Steve. That's BonnerPrivateWines.com slash Steve. Y'all ready for this? Let it rip. Let's go. Don't disappoint, I, though. I, I hope we don't. I just thought, let's just set a tone right away. Like like the exit question last uh, last hour, I wanted to just set a tone with that Dana White exit yeah. question. Let's just set a tone right away. This is how this is going to go in 2024. We're just going to lay it down now. All right. We'll see what tone this sets. Okay. Um... Are we ready? Steve, I am calling on your childhood love of comics and adventure to pique your interest. You called for extraterrestrial bodies where it was not going to be good enough. I have found the bodies. However, it's not the bodies you were expecting. It's the body of evidence collectively assembled over 250 broken years. I, Aaron Riley Hurst, can prove that the earth was altered in such a way that it was unnatural and intentional by something not from earth. I, used, I do this using exogeology, orbital mechanics, geochemistry, and the collected peer-reviewed works of over 80 papers. I cannot tell you if the creator of Earth was aliens, time travelers, ancient humans, robots, God, or another supernatural power. I can prove that the creation of the Earth was not an accident, and it was not the random order of nature's chaos. This does not get very technical, and much like you in the begging of COVID madness, who didn't know what a cytokine storm was until he had to, when I first began to ponder the events leading the creation of Earth's supercharged geothermal core, I didn't know calcium aluminum rich inclusion found only within the oldest of chondrite meteors showed effects of neutron burst nucleosynthesis in a massive star at a high peak temperature of 0.86 times 10 Kelvin. That's almost 1 billion Kelvin. I can explain this simply, then give you a new paper I'm about to submit to the International Journal of Astrobiology, which goes over all the details. What you thought you knew about the Earth's formation is way, way off. Earth Mark 1 was originally equal to 8.4 Jupiters in mass, located where the asteroid belt would soon form, and was abundant in water due to being at the frost line, as well as precious metals and rare earth minerals. EM1 was ma- Earth Mark 1 was massive enough to have Mars, the Moon, Pluto, Charon, Ceres, I, I don't even know what that next word is, and more dwarf planets as moons before Earth Mark 1 was annihilated. This is how Earth Mark II lost all but one moon, was reduced in mass, and most importantly for hosting ecosystems, gained a supercharged geothermal core capable of lasting tens of billions of years. However, that does not go over the most miraculous event of them all. 
And Earth Mark II was reborn in fire, much like the Phoenix. The laws of orbitable mechanics require two precise orbitable maneuvers to move Earth away from its own debris field, a.k.a. the asteroid belt, away from an orbit between Jupiter and Mars, and into an orbit between Mars and Venus. Three asteroid formation timestamps within a 5 million year window show the first event reached a mind-numbing 860 billion Kelvin, followed by two more asteroid formation events with the remaining chondritic meteorite matrix was exposed to flash-melting temperatures ranging from 1600 to 1800 degrees Celsius. Meteorite-exclusive minerals experienced rapid cooling at near 0K. A much smaller planet is easier to maneuver into the habitable, let me try that again, habitable zone of the sun, and annual meteor showers at Earth perihelion are consistent with Earth's multi-phase orbit away from the asteroid belt. We're almost done. I have been on this quest to understand... If the Earth was once located at the asteroid belt since I was about 11, I am now 43. (laughs) Aaron. Truth be told, I was inspired by reading the ancient Sumerian myth, the Epic of Creation, a.k.a. the Seven Tables of Creation. I hope I can do more than just reveal a great and wonderful secret of our past that was saved for posterity. I hope that somehow proving Earth is indeed an intelligent product of advanced creation can help to ease human suffering. Like somehow knowing Earth-like planets have to be created and are not randomly assembled with change, what will change our collective priorities, shifting our goals into a greater purpose for all living things. I know that is a lot to ask for, but it's not too much to hope for, to reach for, and to set my sights on. The only thing is, I have no earthly idea how to do that or where to begin. So I guess I'll just go ahead and publish my papers now, but I should would be grateful to hear a reply email with your thoughts on the matter. Attached is the peer-reviewed work I did in 2021, combined with the peer-reviewed work of Tom Van Flandern uh, back in 2000 into a unified work. I try listing you guys every weekday at noon from about 2019 after finding you in 2016, and it's a big thanks to you that neither I nor my children ever took any of that gene juice. Keep seeking the truth. It is out there and in there. Aaron Riley Hurst. And that last part's the most mind blowing yeah. thing. The guy that just laid out all of this science in detail, you know, you, the three of us, well, Aaron, you certainly can, but it, Steve, between you and I, you and I can't light a Bunsen burner. Right. And this guy just laid that out for us and said, and hey, no, oh, by the way, I probably would have taken the poisonous jab if you losers had not told me not to take, I mean, wow, that's, that's a story in and of itself. I will say this because then I really just want to hear why Aaron was laughing. Um, Listen, brother, I feel you, man. Listen, I think real science over and over and over again for hundreds and hundreds of years has been doing what you're talking about. It's not like we're just waiting for the real science to come along that points to God. Real science has pointed to God for a very long time. And guys like Sir Isaac Newton will tell you that, okay? Um... I, what, Gerard Schroeder, uh, he wrote a book called The Science of God. I've mentioned this on the show, but it's been quite a long time. He is both a physicist and a Hebrew scholar. And this chapter he wrote blew my mind. I read this 10 years ago, maybe. But based on what we know about space-time now and um, Einstein, 
theory of relativity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the six-day creation story. So he, he said that they've they've actually crunched the numbers. If 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 you allow for the Big Bang and and God being at the perspective of the Big Bang, yet we have the, however many millions of billions of years we believe the Earth to uh, have existed. From God's perspective, scientifically, it's actually six days. I mean, science has been doing this for a very long time. So, hey, man, you're 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 on the right track. Way to write, put your own uh, notch in the bedpost along those lines. Well done, Aaron. So I was laughing at the, uh, I've been trying to figure out whether the Earth was once located in the asteroid belt since I was 11. I'm now 43. <laughs> I was like, what kind of childhood did you have sitting around playing with Legos? Hey, was Earth once a part of the asteroid belt? Did I misunderstand that entire email? Because Todd had a very different reaction than, than what I had. Then again, I am a simpleton and uh, take no pride in that. Uh, because what I heard was basically... A very wordy, scientific-sounding uh, explanation for in the beginning, God created. Yeah, I know. So wh why is this necessary? That's my question. Then again, I am a simpleton. Maybe he's he's making a much different, a deeper point than what I'm uh, what I was able to glean from hearing that. But <clears throat> I mean, there are all. I mean, the, the Kalam cosmological argument already suggests from a philosophical perspective, already suggests intelligent design. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out why this was, why this is necessary. Don't mean to uh, hate. Right Don't now, mean... because right now the state of science is actually saying boys can become girls. So we kind of got to you know, get this Titanic turned around a little bit. So he's just doing his part. Aaron, I do not whatsoever want to dissuade you from intellectual curiosity and pursuit of truth. I don't. I do, however, want to persuade you that the, the hope that you have of, of what the impact of discovering ultimate truth will have on, on society as a whole is is already determined the the debate here is and this is what you know some of the scientists the originals gregor mendel the founder of um what we call today genetics for example all right i believe was a monk uh you mentioned isaac newton uh maybe you're from you may not be familiar with isaac newton's other great intellectual pursuit he was one of the first in uh english speaking persons to try to actually uh properly exegete the book of revelation uh he spent much much of his yeah. of his time studying that as well um uh, louis pasteur and we could, we could go on down the line uh, these were these were people who began with the presupposition that the God of the Bible is the creator of the universe and they were curious to unlock how we did it. And, and what that means, what, what the how means in terms of 
how we can actually fulfill a life lived to bring glory to God. The heavens declare the glory of God, for example. If you, if you believe, though, that there is another great truth to be discovered that will get people on a macro level to reassess their um, priorities, I'm, I'm, I have bad news for you. There is no greater truth than this. There is a God. He created the universe. He created each of us. When we rebelled against him, he sent his son to earth to reconcile us to him. He then raised that person from dead to life just to further and finally confirm that this was his one and only son. And that if we believe in him, we live eternally, forever, with him in paradise. And, and while believing that has had the most positive influence on this world than any other truth has ever had. Things like hospitals. We just mentioned major scientific discoveries were done as a response to that truth. You're not going to come up with something better than that. And the reality is there are just as many people in this world who detest that truth as who are inspired by it. So if, if you want to pursue the how of things, you'll get no argument from me. But the whys have already been revealed. God's already revealed the whys. There is only one worldview on this earth, only one, that explains why the world is the way that it is, why we are the way we are, and then what can be done about it. There's only one. And it's a biblical worldview. If you lack a framework for what it is you're seeking, or whom it is, maybe is a better way of putting it, you're seeking. You end, up in an, you end up in a place where you become the kind of scientist that creates the kinds of gene juices you didn't want to take. Because now I am the most high. I'm now not just a discoverer of truth. I'm a conjurer of it. We are not the ultimate truth in the universe. God is. There are things that are for us to not know. Because he is God and we are not. There are some things that are beyond our grasp and capabilities. Because we are mortal beings. I guess what I'm encouraging to you to do is maintain your zeal for truth. While at the same time. Holding on to humility. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, you nailed it. I, I think um, don't make an idol of your particular gifts and interests. 
expect too much of them. Uh, it, it, I think I'm picking up what Steve is laying down. Like you, this is fascinating and it, it may go places. Uh, but if you look around you right now, the number of ways that people, the so-called people of science are ready, willing, and able to ignore real science Mm -hmm. and math and data and truth over and over and over again, you're probably not going to be the one to unlock the seventh seal, you know? So just do do what you do, but the miracles come because of the faith, not because of the science. Gene juices get produced by movements who reject God, not who acknowledge him. I I think you kind of hit on on what I I was trying to say there. The truth is what sets you free, Aaron. The truth is what sets you free. I think what kind of stuck in my craw about that is that you were starting from a premise that the science will set you free. No, the science is there to glorify your maker. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, the truth sets you and everyone else free. And it doesn't matter how much science you bring to the table, even if it's very well done, yeah. even if it's very um, uh, curious, even if it's, if it's very uh, uh, alluring, it doesn't matter how much science you bring to the table. If you're starting from a premise that this and this alone will set people yeah. free, no. Correct. No, that's that's not how yeah. this science, works. Science is a process. It's actually, its purest definition is science is a method. It is not a philosophy. It is not a place for, for finding purpose or existential meaning. And we create things like gene juices when we turn it into that. And by the way, there's a word for that. That will be a focal point of our year. What is that word? Idolatry. Science is a process. It's a method. You can find some truth through science, but when I'm talking about the truth will set you free, the truth of the universe, the highest truth, that is God, your maker. If you start from that premise, then everything else will fall into place. And and even if you find the truth, do do you have... What Overton window are you using to allow that truth in? How mm-hmm. have you been? This is a, the happy accidents of this show, the providential coincidences. This is my point about what I said earlier about a time to kill. Let's just say for the sake of the best case scenario of what Jay Behar said about the, the jab is true. You know, it, you won't get as sick. If, if that's, let's say that's real science for a second, okay? That's what we were saying, and the science actually says about ivermectin. One you'll allow, the other one you'll get arrested for. That has nothing to do with the science per se. It has to do with what you will do with it when you hear it. And if you just decide, I don't care what the science says, which happens all the time, we're not fundamentally talking about science being able to answer the most important questions of who we are at our core. Correct. Correct. And that, you know, that's a great segue. Let's talk about our friends over at Jace Medical because yes. uh, they came on board a couple of years ago post-COVID concerned about what they saw with uh, venerable medications that were now deemed to be unsafe, even though they were winning Nobel prizes like ivermectin. Uh, Then last year they upgraded. Uh, They were concerned about broader disruptions in medical treatments with the drug shortages uh, hitting uh, record highs. So they made the Jace case now, now it's customizable. So now you could add in your medications that you wanted to. And now you can you can add ivermectin to your Jace case again, too, by the way, if you want to do that. So this is a great way to get peace of mind to make sure that if we have to have some rationing, particularly this winter, 
of medications that uh, your med is not among them. Get the Jace case right now, customized for your needs. Plus, you can also use it uh, as a gift uh, for a loved one as well, so they can personalize it to their needs. Uh, Empower yourself with the Jace case and use the promo code DACE at checkout for a discount at jacemedical.com. J-A-S-E, that's J-A-S-E for jacemedical.com, using the promo code DACE. Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com is where you want to go and use the promo code DACE. Ultimately, we are incapable of restraining ourselves from our worst instincts, no matter how good our intentions are, without a recognition of the most important truth in the universe. God is God, and I am not. Period. I couldn't possibly debate much of the terminology in Aaron's note with someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson. But I would sit down one-on-one in front of any crowd on any platform and debate. I'd be fine without taking any notes, doing any prep work. I would be not nervous in the least. I would stand up and debate Neil deGrasse Tyson on the origins of the universe one-on-one. Why? Because he's not, he's not doing science. He's doing existential philosophy with scientific terminology. Well, I know a lot more about that than he does. Why? Because I read the existential philosophical manual to the universe, opened the glove box of planet Earth and read the Bible a few times. So I've read the owner's manual. He's rejected it. In other words, if the debate between Neil deGrasse Tyson and I was strictly about the manner or methodology or process by which the created order operates, I would get annihilated, wouldn't even bother to step on the stage, couldn't pronounce a lot of the words he was even utilizing, right? Mm-hmm. But that's not what Neil deGrasse Tyson wants to debate, is it? No. No, he, he wants to tell you that your feelings change your chromosomes. He said that last year. Your feelings change your chromosomes. No, he said it last year. Sometimes you literally, literally America's most decorated celebrity scientist literally went almond joy commercial. Sometimes you feel like a nut and sometimes you don't. I can debate that. No problem at all. Why? Because that's just, did God really say stuff? That's my book. I know that book. He doesn't know that one. He knows all the other books. And if we stick in all those other books in their proper place and context, I'm way out of my depth, man. Don't even step on the stage. But see, human nature is not content with staying in that lane, is it? Right. No. Unless, unless it recognizes God is God and I am not, it will not stay in that lane, will it? No. And once it gets out of that lane, well, now you're into my lane. Because I agree. I understand that God is God and I am not. That's why I read his word to understand why the universe, not necessarily how, but why the universe operates the way that it does. I know that. So the minute you get outside of your methodology and you want to start talking philosophy, I'm going to cream you. And it's not because I have a higher IQ than Neil deGrasse Tyson. I don't. It's because I read the owner's manual to the universe and accepted it at face value. He does not. 
He thinks he is the owner's manual to the universe. And that's what is often called science today. And that is idolatry. I mean, I saw it for myself when my wife and I took a trip to the Museum of Natural History there in New York, big fans of the uh, Night at the Museum films. And so I had a speaking engagement in New York City back in, I think it was 2017. And so we went there for our, our 25th wedding anniversary to New York to see the sites and stuff. And I brought her with me and we wanted to go see the Museum of Natural History in Central Park. So we went and I, I have a picture of it somewhere. I kept a picture of it in my phone. When they get into the cosmology section, there's actually a display that says right there at the Museum of Natural History. No one really knows where the universe came from or why it was or or or, or why it was made. It says it right there. It's so sad. This Which makes you then wonder, how do I know anything else in here is true? Okay? And oh by the way, what did the Museum of Natural History do a couple of years ago? Uh tore down the statue of Teddy Roosevelt that was right up in front of it it's original one of its original patrons so that's what i mean if we don't understand god is god and we are not we will do stuff like just start you know tearing down the statues of the people who actually created the very institutions we're running this very conversation by the way if you care to look at the actual history is what was behind the church's concern relation in relation to Galileo going too far, too fast. It's not that Galileo, and Gal, this was not the first time that this had come up because it's the Copernican theory. This is who, who came beforehand. It's about if you do this, what? How does our understanding of man's place in the universe unravel? Because it was a totality back then how we thought about things. We thought about everything through the prism of God back then. And quite frankly, the church was right in its concern because once this got, uh, got out of the barn too far, too fast, all the problems Steve just laid out for you, have they come to pass or not? Mm -hmm. They've come to pass in spades. Science is a method it is not a religion. If you are looking for something to show you how things work, science is your game. If you are looking for something to inspire you as to why things are the way they are, you're no longer looking for a science. You're looking for something more existential. You're, not, you're no longer attempting to follow in the footsteps of Copernicus uh, or Pasteur or Newton. You're looking to fill the Blaise Pascal hole, God-shaped hole in your heart. And this, by the way, pretty much goes with everything else. We have this exact same conversation, right? If you're, if you're, if you're looking for uh, something to, to enjoy and wind down and to do in your free time after you work 50, 60 hours a week, you know, and that's your favorite football team on the weekend, God bless you, man, you earned it. But if you know more about that team than, you know, you know about your kids' teachers, that's idolatry. We can make everything idolatry, everything. And so we always have to guard our hearts against it. That's why it's the second commandment. More in a moment.
Well, one of the cool products that uh, we were excited to add to our list of partners in the show last year, Magic Spoon. They're back here in 2024 as well, particularly if you are like the McIntyre family and you're trying to navigate uh, the various uh, uh, dietary issues out there and you, you yearn for the days of the cereal box and the bowl of cereal, Magic Spoon is there for you. Aaron loved it. Uh, Ben, I understand, absolutely. He did. He loved it. He absolutely loved it. So Magic Spoon, it was it, it was invented to reinvent your favorite childhood cereals. Uh, it's a great taste, but each serving also contains zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, four to five grams of net carbs. That's it. So it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free. Doesn't mean it has to be taste-free, though. And it's not at Magic Spoon. So many flavors as well. Uh, Cocoa, fruity, uh, frosted, peanut butter. That's the one I tried. It was very good. Uh, Blueberry muffin, maple waffle, honey nut, birthday cake, chocolate chip cookie, cinnamon roll. And they've got Magic Spoon treats as well as your on-the-go snack. And those have just one gram of sugar and one to two grams of net carbs, whether it's marshmallow or chocolatey peanut butter. Head to magicspoon.com slash dace. Grab a custom bundle of cereal. Try the magic for yourself. And don't forget to add their delicious treats on the go. Be sure to use our promo code DACE at checkout to save five bucks on your order. Magic Spoon, so confident that you're going to like it, backed by 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. Start your new year off right with a delicious bowl of high protein cereal at magicspoon.com slash dace with the code dace to save $5 off at magicspoon.com slash dace. All right, let's get to some more feedback Friday. You guys ready to go? Yes. Yeah. All right. Brandon Dib- uh, Dibdable, I think is how it's pronounced. Dibdal. Uh, he says, I'm writing uh, to you because I live in Idaho and our legislature moved our primary from early March to mid-May. Our state party, which is more a, a conservative than our legislature, decided to, that to rectify that would amount to, to my state being written out of the primary process, that we're going to actually have a caucus on March 2nd. We should replace all primaries with caucuses. Agreed. Or we should just not even have primaries or caucuses and just have conventions instead because that way the people that are the most committed to the process would have more of a say in a caucus than they do in a primary and they'd have more of a say in a convention than they even do in a caucus so i like this move um I'd like to support DeSantis to the best of my ability for our caucus, but I've never participated or seen one. Could you discuss on your show the nuts and bolts of how to caucus, what to expect, strategy that would help to uh, ensure a great outcome here? And additionally, are Iowa caucus rooms open to the public for non-participant visitors? I'd be interested in traveling to Iowa uh, to watch if they are. Again, that's from Brandon Dibdell. So, Iowa's play, uh, Iowa's process, for Republicans anyway, is is... Other than you've got to take a vote and, you know, count it accurately, there aren't a lot of stipulations. You'll have some places that'll come in there um, and and just have a very typical caucus process. Uh, people will be invited. Um, uh, one person is in, is allowed per candidate to stand up and speak for a candidate for, you know, no more than 5, 10, 15 minutes. Um, and then we go through the voting process. Uh, I mean, you'll, in some places it's, it's not any more fanciful than you'll just write a name on a piece of paper and turn it in. Um, and also there'll be nominations and stuff for delegates to county and and state conventions and, and that kind of process will take place as well. Uh, and so 
the prospect that you will be asked potentially to discuss why you vote you're voting the way that you do even if it, even if you're not the person that will be the one like I will speak for DeSantis at my precinct like I spoke for Cruz for example but even if you're not that person there's a real good chance someone's going to ask you at a caucus who are you voting for and why because there's a lot of horse trading that goes on while people are gathering and stuff there people will notice oh hey that's the you know, that's pastor so-and-so or Mr. So-and-so. That's my neighbor, you know? And so that's, that's why a lot of times if, if, if you go into a caucus with momentum, you end up overperforming because people are like, oh, okay, well, I was kind of down to a couple candidates and this looks like the, you know, the one that's got the most, so I'll go with them. Or if you go in there and you're, you're sliding, like I, like I would, I, I think Vivek Ramaswamy and, and Chris Christie both will struggle to combine to get 5.5%. Because if if you're like, well, I like this guy, but I don't think he can win. I don't want to waste my vote. That Those are the kinds of discussions that go on. But on the Republican side here, they're informal. On the Democratic side here, they're formal. The Democrats actually have a margin of a threshold margin, and if you, which I think we should do, um, but the Republicans don't. And you have to meet that threshold or your candidate's kicked out. You know, so their caucus sites can have even wider swings of momentum because you have to meet that minimum threshold. There's an, basically it's a straw poll and then the vote is taken. And if you're below that threshold, that candidate's out. On the Republican side, they do not do that, but it, it kind of de facto happens organically anyway. And so that whole process can take a while. It depends on the site. Um, it really varies. And in terms of allowing people in publicly, it, that varies too. You know, some places do, some places don't. You'd have to check with the actual uh, Republican Party and the caucus site. Uh, un- unless they've in- instituted uniform rules this time that I'm not aware of, which may have happened. You know, I mean, I, I remember seeing people come in and watch and observe just back in 2016. And in our, in our uh, I think our precinct was uh, the elementary school about five minutes from my house. So. And, and some precincts are large, some are not, you know, it's, it's, it's voting the way the founding generations of the country did it. And that's why it tends to weed out kind of your soft headed Republican primary voter, because it's just too much of an effort. I can't just go in on my coffee break and just, you know, pull the lever for five minutes on who Fox news told me to vote for. I have to take part in an actual citizenship process on, and it's, you know, after dinner, I don't have time not to mention right now, the forecast is like three so we'll see yeah there's a system moving through uh next week i'm not sure i'm not sure about the week following but uh yeah it's getting colder yeah you guys want to add anything to that based on your own caucus experiences yeah well and until the last go around one would have thought that uh it's a system that would have been uh much harder uh to game uh because more uh, organic, less technology-driven, but we saw we couldn't figure out who won between uh, 
Buttigieg and uh, Barry, yeah. uh, Bernie Sanders. Almost Last time because they, uh, I, I, I don't know if they've rectified all those I don't know th- technological I honestly issues. don't know who Demo- won the Democratic That was a Democrat caucus. thing, though. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Technical yeah. stuff. Yeah. But they did, they've incorporated technology enough into that where, again, the thing that is supposed to help streamline things and make it far efficient actually made it and like that, the worst that, it's ever been. That was in response to what happened in 2012 with the Republicans who were still using paper ballots. And we had like, like the some of these r- rural districts and precincts didn't come until late and then DeSantis then it was basically a tie between DeSantis and Romney with Ron Paul very close and it was actually certified later that Rick Santorum won and so the Democrats answer to that was to make use technology to rectify it and that process being ended up being every bit as yeah much of a mess just differently people flipping coins and yeah just general chaos Uh, yeah i'm glad you brought this up because i've gotten a lot of um questions myself about how how the caucus works it is i mean every 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 place is is different sometimes if you know if you're meeting in a gym uh it's likely you'll be able to watch if you're not participating in it uh sometimes you're meeting in much smaller venues uh, like a library i think that's where my caucus site is probably not enough room for just observers so it's an interesting and um, kind of a, a raw and unsanitized process. I'll, I'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go here next. Steve J says, wondering if you have ever read Francis Schaeffer's book, How Should We Then Live? Yep. Very interesting take on the five signs of impending societal collapse. This was written in 1976 and was kind of his update of Edmund Gibbons' uh seminal work the decline and fall of the roman empire but francis schaefer said number one mounting love of show and and luxury affluence number two widening gap between rich and poor number three obsession with sex and sexuality number four freakishness in the arts masquerading as originality number five increased desire to live off the state sounds prophetic indeed you can watch by the way i mean schaefer was a pioneer in his time uh in using what was modern media then, you know, v- you know, videotapes and stuff like that to get his message out. You can, they, I, they were as recently as like during COVID. I don't know if they were removed, but um, I think his original video series from things like how then shall we now live or how should we then live? I mean, when I wrote do what you believe in, in 2021, that was my own update of Francis Schaeffer's Christian manifesto. I, I think you can still watch a lot of his video presentations from these works from the seventies on Amazon. I think they're on there. Amazon prime. They were recently as a few years ago and it's, it is something to watch. I watched a couple of them during COVID and it's something. I mean, he's talking about stuff that is that is going on right now. Yeah. In fact. Yeah. Yeah, I got time for this one. Cam writes, my father-in-law is a six foot eight, long gray beard, long gray ponytail, antique motorcycle builder straight out of the Appalachian Mountains in North Carolina. Well, we like him already, right? Well, okay. But stay tuned. Yeah. I, I sense the butt. He's also vaccine injured. He had two blood clots, one eight inches, the other 12. Both the thickness of a hot dog. His wife, as I'm writing this to you, just had knee surgery. Ready for the butt? Okay. Are you guys ready for this? You're not, I, no, because I thought I'm we tell already you, had... I am going to tell you you are not ready okay. for this. Because I know what's coming and you don't. You are not ready for this. But you're going to probably be able to predict it. Instead of being at the hospital with her... 
he decided to go campaign for Trump rather than be with his wife. My wife and her sister are having to take care of their mom while he gets two more votes for Trump. I don't get it. It hurts my soul knowing my wife has to take care of her mother without her father because of Trump. Help me understand this boomer madness. Thank you for all you do. Uh, well, I'll help you understand by saying this is neither a boomer issue or... I added the boomer madness. Oh. Adjective, that's my editorial okay, comment. Okay, well, but then yeah. I don't... Everything else are his words. I should note that, yes. But not... Look, I get Trump and Sandy. This isn't unique to Trump either. It's unique to Trump. We've never seen anything like this on the right. Correct. No one, no one would have ever sent Rush Limbaugh a note. Why is my dad leave, leave my, leave mom alone in the hospital to go campaign for George W. Bush to go campaign for Herbert Walker Bush never for, to go campaign. For, okay. Well, Steve, they weren't okay, Alan Keyes, Steve Forbes. This would have, this never happened. If you're, if you're leaving your, your wife alone in the hospital to come to Iowa to campaign for Ron DeSantis, go home. There's this stuff never happened on the right before this never did would have not gotten a note like this about any other candidate ever. And you know what the response is? That's just because of how special and this is because, you know, we finally had, uh, you know, um, this is probably God's. We finally got God's anointed candidate. This is a new phenomenon on the right. Mm. I don't give Trump that much credit. Or the boomers that I, I I think this is in a culture where you are. This goes back to Francis Schaeffer on both sides, addicted to comfort, addicted to the show. Either either you are firmly counterculture, or you will become uh, part of this as well. This is why I think our talk about idolatry already, and I mean. Uh, I've listed the idol we need to smash day by day since uh, January 1st because no one is immune from this. From the church on down, are uh, we? This is. I agree. This I, is I beyond. It, agree. I just, it's not a unique Donald Trump thing. Well, right? I, 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 I absolutely think, think the boomer Trump thing is unique. I, I don't think idolatry is unique. No. But the but the obsession that, that generationally they have with this guy, the amount of self pleasuring they will do to him orgasmically on a generational level, on the yeah, right but, that is unique. No, but the I people think doing it aren't old sixty eight year old men. It's Alex Brusewitz and Post. No, he's just getting paid guys, off. This guy's a true believer, that, is what well, Cam is describing. It's Go ahead, all here. part of the same thing. Yeah, I, I think this inclination was always there, and it's had, it's been there for a generation uh, under the surface. What's so pernicious about this, though, is that in 2016, election night, that was such a miracle. It gave people and, and there were there was that instinct that was being acted upon to, uh, you know, prior to the election. But that was truly a miracle. At least it seemed like a miracle what happened that night. And so it gave people the excuse. It gave people the impetus to then act out on that. And we've seen that with. Uh, this is becoming a crutch for me. Increasing frequency in the aftermath. I think I think that inclination to do what Cam is describing. I think his dad or father-in-law is doing. That's always been there, but it's just being acted out upon because 
whatever happened in 2016 and the zaniness that Donald Trump brings to the table and kind of the miraculous election that he had, I think that was just the impetus that, hey, I can now act on these things that I've maybe been suppressing. Right wing Woodstock is what you're describing. Yeah. For the same generation, by the way. How many emails have I received yeah, from, it's parents, a political from parents saying, my 16-year-old, I just can't get him to concentrate on his grades because he loves Trump's, no, not one. Do you know how many emails I've received over the last six years from people, what is going on with my grandfather? What is going on with my dad? What is going on with my grandmother? What is going on with my mom? Legions. Legions. Yeah, this but this one is a unique no. relationship. I'm convinced of it. I, I disagree. There, for every one of these guys, there's... I mean, a hundred that are voting for who, either either DeSantis or Vivek uh, or Nikki, that their level of obsession with their personal comfort and the game or whatever else is every bit as toxic as what this, and, and they abandon their wife too on that thing. There's nothing unique about this. It's just a different frosting. I, I love you, brother. I wholeheartedly disagree. Oh, at, we, at the very least, my inbox wholeheartedly them. disagrees. Never, your whole inbox in, is who I'm talking in, in, about. In, in my career, I have never seen anything like this on the right. Nothing like it. I've, I'm t- the right keeps losing because we've got a bunch of squishes who are every bit obsessed with their nonsense as this 60-year-old guy with a ponytail. I don't disagree with That's, that. So it's I'm not all, new. I'm, it's I'm, not not, I'm, I'm not saying that this is... Uh, idolatry is systemic. I'm only talking about one vestige of it. This level of obsession with one person... And a, and a particular generation of voter has not existed on the right. Because before. the other people aren't obsessed with the, the the person; they're obsessed with all the other things that are causing those guys to I agree fill with that. that vacuum. So I, it's I not I, unique. I I don't disagree. I we're talking just about idolatry systemically. I'm just addressing one particular vestige of it. Have a great weekend. Back again Monday. Until then, Romans eight twenty eight. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.